Welcome to Creative Mind Soul Sessions with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind. Explore personal growth with us through Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience in a deep but practical way. Let's begin. All right. Welcome to Soul Sessions. Uh, today's topic is the God Imago, mm-hmm. or the image of God. Yes. And how? Um, and what is the God Imago? A lot of people have this, their conception of God, but the God Imago is a term by Jungian psychology by Carl Jung. Yeah, a good point, because we, we definitely want to clarify that uh, we're approaching this from the psychological perspective. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about religion. Okay. Mm. And, and Jung's idea was simple. Uh, he says, if you look at human evolution and mm-hmm. the way people have done uh, their life mm-hmm. uh, throughout the ages, there's always that element of that relationship with the unknown, mm. with the ultimate principle, with the divine, with God somehow. So even as cave people, we looked at the sky and... Yeah, and pe- people used to set up little altars, right, mm-hmm. and, and put up their deer antlers or whatever it was to convey that there was something sacred going on mm-hmm. in their life. And he says, people, you're not going to get rid of it just because you have an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you say, I don't need that anymore. I have Google to tell me Or everything. science. I need, you know, I understand scientifically why we have a brain and, you know, how our body works and why people die and all those things. That's right. It's a human need. And it seems to be a really important part of the psyche, of the human psyche. And so when you say it, you mean the image of having an image of the divine. Having, yes, an image and, and uh, uh, some, uh, some way of relating to that, mm-hmm. some way of understanding it, of incorporating it into your worldview. And why do you think Jung, uh, what did he come to, come to the point of the purpose of the God image? Is it to make people feel less alone, less scared, give them comfort? What was his... Um... Um, he himself, I, I think he was after a psychology that would f- fill the vacuum left by the modern age, mm. right, of tossing away the mystical, the, the poetic, the, the spiritual in favor of the mechanism, uh, mm-hmm. the mechanistic materialism. Mm-hmm. that we see now predominate the world. Uh, and he was after a psychology that, that would fulfill that that purpose that, let's say, shamanism fulfilled mm. in, in, a, in an ancient village. So a modern spirituality. Yeah. But, but the question is, why does man have mm. this function in their psyche that projects? Is it, is it because... We have a desire to of, of that mystery. Like we can't really suppress that mysticism within us. Like we're born with with this aspect of ourselves that wants to explore. Why we like to watch unexplained mysteries and watch <laughs> those documentaries and wanting to know answers is is that why? It's like we have that question and questioning of who we are uh, built within us. 
Yeah, ultimately, there's a, there's a quote that's uh, tossed around uh, every once in a while uh, where he says that it seems that the, uh, the ultimate aim and purpose of human life and consciousness appears to be to be as a witness to the creation, mm. right? That, that that's kind of why we have this way of understanding the universe is that that's our role to, to witness the beauty and the terror and the, the immensity of creation. Um, yeah, because otherwise everything would be unconscious. Like he was saying, he saw a bunch of gazelles grazing in Africa, and they weren't conscious of themselves. They were if no one was here to witness that, yeah. it would just be there. I mean, they have their maybe their little perspective, but they, that self-reflectiveness That's right. that human beings have. So, in a way, we um, we do this with our everyday lives. We make meaning in everything. So we make kind of spiritual assumptions about. Why things happen for a reason, and you know, we, we're always trying to explain away the, you know, the, the the darkness and the tragedies and the struggles that we have in life. There's always this this element in us trying to explain, well, mm. why does this happen? And so yeah. the God image is serves as well. There's this deity that's going to make everything better or resolve the injustice of the world that we we look to. Yeah. So. Uh if if we look at Western mythology, <clears throat> and to some extent the the religious uh, kind of myths that have been central to the West, uh, the the idea that we are created in God's image mm. goes along with this idea, right? The, the God imago, meaning humans are an expression of that God image, mm-hmm. and in the mythology, right, it's that um, God created us in his image, mm-hmm. like uh, the son You're and the You're children daughter, of God. <laughs> right, children of God in the garden and all that. Uh, so what does that mean um, psychologically? Mm-hmm. That, right, that would be the, the Jungian approach. What does that mean psychologically? So the myth is essentially giving us a truth in, in allegory, in mm-hmm. metaphor, in story mm-hmm. form. What does that mean practically for mm-hmm. us? And here, uh, I think the the Eastern uh, they have a more sophisticated way of understanding consciousness and the mind, and it helps us decipher the myth. Mm-hmm. So, let's say the mythology is saying, "Okay, you're created in the image of God." I'm sure it doesn't mean that God looks like us. <laughs> Right, physically, that he has a body, or of course, uh, that would be a a very literal interpretation. But like there's an old man and with the beard. I remember in church, raised Catholic, there was an image of God even in the the Sistine Chapel. That's right. A guy with old guy with a beard touching Adam, and there's God and man, and yes, the children of 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 God. Yeah, and, and mythology is beautiful in in that artistic and poetic sense. But it's not. It wasn't meant to be interpreted literally, mm-hmm. because obviously, you know, it doesn't make sense that the creator of the universe would have a body like a human being. And uh, then also that the, when we talk about Eastern philosophy, the the idea of the material versus conscious universe, that there's a place called heaven or there's a place called hell yeah. that we go to, you know, that are, and then God's going to meet us there, physically meet us there. 
Right. Although it's a nice story that we'd like to tell ourselves to feel more, like, less scared about death and life and, and why bad people won't get away with anything, you know? You mean the myth? Yeah. yeah well, the myth of heaven and hell. And Well, that, that's the thing, that these myths, they're not... When you don't take them literally, then they give you a deeper answer. Yes. Because you're understanding them as they're, they're talking about... Uh, in, in a symbolic language, they're talking about something deeper. Mm-hmm. In the, that we are created in the image of God consciously. Mm-hmm. That at the core of our human psyche is this pure awareness, this consciousness, that is identical to the creative mind mm-hmm. of the universe. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. And it's encoded right there in that mythology but obviously, if you misread it or if you think, well, that's just a story, um, you know, to to uh, to kind of calm our, our nerves <laughs> and, <laughs> or feel like we're not alone in the universe. Right. But that 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 would be a misreading of the mythology mm. mythology, according to Jung. It spontaneously arises from the psyche like a dream arises from the psyche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so these myths arose from. The human psyche, uh, in a way to explain the higher mysteries of who we are, That's but then right. it's just like a dream if we take it literally yes. and we don't look at it from its mythological um, messaging and symbology then we miss out. And that's really the great work of Joseph Campbell, Marie von Franz. They talk a lot about myths and yeah. you know what they mean to to us in bigger ways. And so I love this idea that the, the human... Um, makes like the psyche creates myths. We create stories. That's why we love movies and stories and reading and fiction mm-hmm. and uh, characters and and even get caught up in like a story of the news. It's, it kind of it has a story to it. We we kind of relate to things in a in a story way. You know, like there's a character, there's a place, there's you know this place we're moving to. Um, it's kind of the way we structure our experience in our yeah. physical world and then how we explain it. To ourselves, so um, we were created in the image of God. So, what is the implications on this idea if we're created in the image of God? Of what does that mean to us as in a modern world and, and trying to understand our spiritual nature? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, uh, because we definitely don't act like it, right? <laughs> uh, uh, Going back to Eastern philosophy, uh, the Upanishads especially, the way it's explained is that our consciousness, as it becomes embodied in a human form, uh, we're confused. Mm. We, We get confused because all of a sudden we're seeing a lot of things in the world, objects. And people. And separateness. Mm -hmm. Instead of experiencing the oneness of consciousness, uh, we start to see fragmentation in the world. Like me against the world. Me against other groups. Me against other people. And another fragmentation would be time as well. Space and time. Space and time. That's right. And name and form, Mm -hmm. as it says in, in the Upanishads, that we start to see name and form and identifying that name and form is separate from us. And that confusion then covers up 
the reality of the God image within us. Of the God image within us, the which really translates as the ability to create like God, mm-hmm. which is through thought, through the creative mind itself. So when a lot of people, you know, a lot of people talk to me, like I just got a, a message from someone asking me about the universe and mm-hmm. a sign from the universe, and I said, well. You are the universe, so it's you're giving yourself a sign. What do you what do you want it to mean? So this idea that there's this other something besides you controlling your life or outside of you that you can't, don't have any access to, yeah. you know, that you have to pray for or, or ask for permission or, or is making the fate decided upon you. You know, there's this idea that if it's God's will, I mean, inshallah, uh, you know, God willing. Um, if that's the way it should be, then that's the way it should be. And so I think that could lead to uh, passiveness of, of not really creating your life because you're waiting for right. God to answer. And then also um, uh, kind of feeling like God's punishing you when bad things happen, like you're being punished, like a parent. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I read my very first self-help book, um, I was raised Catholic. I went to school church every every sunday didn't miss a holy day of obligation i thought if i missed church god would punish me forever and i would be single forever like i thought i would have internal damnation you know that's kind of the seriousness of my faith and um and i love church so i didn't mind it but it was just like i felt like it was an obligation like the holy day of obligation and um and when i read louise hay's book the first book i read was you can heal your life my friend gave it to me Mm. and it said your thoughts create your life and i said hold on hold the phone here (laughs) why didn't didn't anyone tell me this i thought god (laughs) created my life so if i think something i can actually create something and to me it was like it was it busted the myth it busted this it shook my um, my whole paradigm of how I approached mm. life. All of a sudden, I started to feel I, I actually can have some control. Like everything for me was about waiting for God to bestow on me this luck, this this you know, basically almost giving away my responsibility for my life. That God, if I, as long as I follow the rules, God's going to reward me. And it's like waiting for a parent to say, okay, honey, you can have your, your cake now or your cookie or your, your gift. You get that. And so it really did change. And I think having people understand the God image and that we are an aspect, we are the, the divine, and that we can create our life can change it's a paradigm shift and that's really what happened i was like 24 years old and i said oh my god (laughs) i've been praying for this outside force and now i could just think better and say i love myself and i could love myself all these things yes but that that's a very kind of uh preliminary or that was my first step yeah Yeah. exactly the first step because that's not really what's happening Mm. when you think uh, oh, my thoughts create my life, but you're thinking from the ego perspective. Yeah, you're still thinking from. I want to m- get stuff. My yeah, exactly. My ego can get the things that it wants from the world. Yes, that's already buying into that separateness. If you are committed to becoming the best version of yourself and would love to go deeper with your study of higher consciousness practices, join our Facebook community, Creative Mind Coaching. 
Here you can participate in free life coaching lessons based on our powerful system of Jungian psychology, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Join us on Facebook at Creative Mind Coaching and continue your growth for a meaningful, fulfilled life. Yes, so it wasn't a complete transformation, but it was a shift from, I do have some power, but then how do you use that power? And we, you know, I see a lot of people want to use the law of attraction or manifestation, but they're manifesting from ego and they're not realizing, like they're still thinking that that thing out there that they want. And this is where you get into projection of the God image of that money is God, that relationship is God. The people, my fans are God. They're my God. You know, like that idolization of uh, of the of the material world, and even in the Bible, they talk about the um, the the love of money is mm-hmm. the root of all evil. Not the not actually money, but it's the love of money. It's worshiping the golden money. calf. Yeah, sure enough. Or the the idea that don't have an honor another god be, be, uh, besides me. It wasn't that some other god is you know it's bad to have a you know look at other religions. It was more like you're projecting the God image out there. Yeah. So that's yes. kind of where I had to, t- but you have to take that first step. You can't go from, you know, very strict uh, religious uh, dogma to I- enlightenment. You know, you have to take mm-hmm. the step. So we've all, many of us have taken that step of, oh, my thoughts create my life. Let me work on my thoughts. Let me start manifesting things. And then we know that there's another level. And that's what really what we want to do or else we are projecting that God image on my soulmate has the God, you know, is God. My, yeah. I, I win that, you know, money, you know, manifesting, manifesting million dollars. That becomes the God. Well, this has been one of the the really serious criticism of the New Age thought and yeah. the, the kind of that kind of movement to say, well, if 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 our thoughts create our life, uh, then why do we need uh, deeper work? Uh, yeah. You know, I'll just think my way through this. Yes. But the the whole idea is that the, it requires a, a meditation, discipline, study, focus to shift from that misperception of we are ego mm-hmm. and there's things out there that I need to get from the world to to the higher consciousness, which is that the God image, the realization of the the God image from within then your thoughts really just directly create mm-hmm. because you're not filtering them through through the ego idea of fragmentation right that that you're separate from the world and and that you need it or that you're in lack and so what we're really doing especially young's individuation our coaching method is all about individuation so it's not yeah. just about getting a short term fix a quick fix for your for your goal and yeah. and feel that high but then you know it doesn't satisfy you it's actually really really having a direct experience of your divine nature and that is it's like um you can you know have a little like teach a man to fish uh, and then he'll you know he'll be health wealthy and, and rich his whole life versus just hand him one and so your ego is, is settling, settles for the short term. The ego is all about the short term and to alleviate pain short term. It doesn't have that. How mm. can I expand and how can I grow? It's like it, it just asks for just enough. 
And so if you stop there and you just say, I just want to manifest and put my vision board together and you're coming from ego, it's never going to be enough. And you're always going to feel that no matter what I do, it's not enough. Yeah, and there, from that perspective, we see then Jung's idea of individuation, meaning mm. the the process of self-actualizing mm. yourself through through your work in the world. It, it's a very practical idea because it, it it says if we cannot deny that divine element in us or the need for it, the need to relate to it, then we have to figure out a psychology of how do we integrate that mm. into our everyday life? Mm-hmm. Because it has to be practical. It can't, it can't be just for people that go off to the monastery or <laughs> to a cave to meditate. Yeah. That if this is a, uh, a genuine human need, uh, how do we express it in 2020? Mm-hmm. Right? With uh, the way we live now. And individuation gives us that model. It's a map of how do you proceed to, uh, first of all, to to kind of go beyond this idea that you're just your ego and persona? Mm-hmm. And even we know that uh, when you create from ego, mm. uh, your thoughts aren't what creates your life as much as your unconscious, you know, your shadow creates your life. And so if you're not a conscious of um, your shadow self, you know, that on the first level of individuation, you're going to attract what you fear. And so if you're coming from ego, it's almost like you want something, but you're pushing something away. So you're really never free. You're just kind of like trying to survive. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I say like when you're chasing something, you're actually running from something else. So if you're, how is that freeing? So you're thinking, I want to have more money, but you're running away from struggle with money. And so it's you're holding both at the same time. I want to find a partner, but I don't want to be alone. I want to push away this lonely, you know, a woman who gets heartbroken, or I don't want to get my heart broken. So you're kind of like limited, and then you get that. Um, it's almost like a safety net, what we have, because if we really had the full power of our divine self at us, we would create all our fears all at once. So there is kind of that uh, ego creates that safety mm-hmm. mechanism where we kind of have this narrow way of creating that kind of keeps us. So we, we so a lot of people will tell us that they've done a lot of personal growth and they really they see little changes, but they haven't really had that big transformation. It's because they haven't individuated. So that ego just kind of, you know, makes it a little better. You feel a little better, but you're not really having that tra- transformation. And um, and then in individuation, after you do the shadow work, it's like, be careful what you ask for, because now every time you have a thought or an idea, it comes really quickly. And so it has that rapid, expansive, uh, creative force that it, it, it involves much more responsibility than just the ego's kind of keeping you at like, okay, like, like a child, you give it a little, you don't give it too much freedom because it doesn't know how to handle all that power. And yeah. so, so we are never really truly creating in a deep and a true way until we, as Jung says, make the unconscious conscious and work with the shadow work, individuate yeah. from the ego, and then you're, when you're creating from the God in you, that's everything changes. I want to ask you a question though. Yeah. What a, I think a lot of people have a um, they have a. Um, like a resistance to accepting 
that they're the divine, that they have, like it almost is like they need to project it out. Why do you think that is, that way? people have a hard time saying, I am God? Because is it religion, or is it uh, just the ego uh, doesn't want to be grandiose? Or I mean, there are some people that do say that, and they're narcissists, but is that the, the fear of us accepting that, that why we naturally resist it? I think there there is like a natural barrier uh, for people that aren't ready because that that's precisely what would happen if you if you misconstrue the idea and you think I am the divine from the ego perspective that that would create a, a very grandiose inflated ego mm-hmm. and, and thinking. Well, if I'm the divine, that means me, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, my personal self, am all-powerful, mm-hmm. right? And that's not what nature wants us to do. The, nature wants us to, to be ready for that mm-hmm. naturally. And so Jung says there's a natural mechanism of looking inward. And if you notice, your dreams are always giving you these mythological symbols. Mm. And he says the God image is in there. It'll show up if you do enough deep work, if you focus in on what's going on in the deeper psyche. You'll start to see that it's talking about this metamorphosis, this hero's journey that's going on in your psyche. Um, And so there is a natural defense to prevent people that aren't ready mm-hmm. to go there. But once you, you prepare yourself and you have the right understanding that you are not the ego, you're not the personality, that it's an important part that that you're playing as a, almost like an actor playing a role. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jung's idea of the persona comes from that Greek theater of these actors having a mass that would amplify their voice. Mm-hmm. And project their personality uh, so that people could see them. That's essentially what we're doing with our ego persona. We are amplifying um, our particular way of seeing the world and saying, this is who I am. Mm. But who is the writer of the play? Who is the author that's mm-hmm. creating the stage and the, and the scenes and, and all that? That's the divine self. Mm. That's the true self in us. And the process of individuation is about realizing that, realizing your true self, not the, not the role that you're playing. It's not to get rid of the role that you're mm-hmm. playing, but to understand that you are playing a role. Mm-hmm. And so can we take, take a step back and talk about how this shows up? Uh, someone asked a question earlier, and I thought this would be a good place to ask this is that in the beginning, since we do have this God image and we project it out into the world, the first people we really project this God image on mm. as children is our parents, right? Yeah. And then we, we see them as the, the, the source of everything. And we don't under, even understand the concept of God like intellectually mm. as a child. And then, um, and then as in adults, we, as women or men, we project that image onto our relationships Mm-hmm. onto our bosses, authority figures, um, onto things we, we, we feel like will give us power. We end up projecting all that. So how do we retrieve that projection? <laughs> I got a little simple. Uh, how do we retrieve that projection? And I know the process is, you know, the individuation, but mm-hmm. that was one of the questions that was posted in the group earlier, so I wanted to address that. Yeah, I mean, it begins, like you said, with, 
kind of the intellectual understanding that um, that 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 the persona and the way things appear to us is not all there is. Mm-hmm. You have to start there mm-hmm. because as he, as we develop our ego, uh, it's based on that assumption that there's a real world that you're perceiving and you're creating this sense of self, this I, in response to that. Mm. So to let go of that is not an easy task because it's giving you a sense of security, safety, identity in the world. So it's, it's a very powerful thing to be able to say, maybe that's, this is not who I am. And it's like the ego, the I, wants to protect its reputation. And so for it to identify with the people, like as shadow elements, the people that uh, trigger them out there, and to accept, even in a positive way, that I'm really seeing myself or aspect of myself, is um, it's like, uh, you know, Jung says that the shadow are the things that are too light and too uh, dark for us to accept on our persona level. Yeah. So the divine would be way too light to accept this is me. I'm, I'm seeing this person I'm in love with. I'm seeing my divine self. It really is a hard thing. Or the worst person in the world, the opposite, this terrible person that we think is an awful person, that's, there's an aspect of me. Like it's, we're all one. We're one with everyone. And that, I think, is such a hard concept for people. And the only way we can do it, in my opinion, is like the work is, that little by little you practice remember mm. you know working with your shadow doing the dream work uh, understanding your dreams for me it's like each time you work with it you it, you get a little better understanding oh yeah i'm really seeing my mind it, it takes a while it's not an intellectual like i read it in a book and now i get it and i'm going to live like that for a, it's it's a it's a process and it may t- it will take uh, you know for the rest of our life to really fully maybe reach enlightenment but but we get those glimpses every day we start working every day and the more we remember uh through direct experience the more power we have and to direct our our life and be be really truly connected to the divine in us yes so from the western perspective then the mythology helps us because Mm -hmm. the story is about uh that this old person or, or this I, this old idea of ourselves has to die, mm. right? It has to die, not in a in a literal sense, but that it, we have to transcend it somehow. Mm. Which um, is like Jesus sacrificing his body, resur- and then resurrecting, and as, that kind of yeah, those as, myths of resurrection and, and, and re-emerging and they're, they're all through different myths right? all throughout the world in, in many different forms but the same idea mm. of this falling away of the old pattern and the, the rebirth of a new pattern mm. so it's a natural process that's been going on in human nature forever and we we see it in small ways in our life. You know, we, we grow back, like for me, when I went back to my high school reunion and I was like, oh, I'm a much different person than these people. We were so close and, yeah. you know, seven when we were 17 and, you know, they're so different now. And uh, and some friends I'm still friends with and we're lifelong friends. And then, but you see like 
the majority, you know, how much you've changed and how much you've grown, yeah. even outside your family. Uh, you're not the little girl anymore. You're not the little sister. You're now this powerful executive. And, you know, so we kind of transform a little bit on the persona level. Uh, um, that evolution takes place. We we become from the child and uh, in puberty, we become the adult, the young adult. And then in later on in life, all those stages, I think it was Maslow that talked about the stages or um, I know um, Erickson talks about the stages of life oh, yeah. that we go through. But that's an external, uh, basically, shift. We're just kind of creating a new persona. But the, what we're talking about is that deeper shift, and we're realizing who we really are. The, yeah, so, the, so there are two different paths. Yeah, there. it's kind of, now we need both East and West. Mm-hmm. So we need the, let's say, the mythological story that connects us to kind of our dreams mm-hmm. and our mythologies or stories but we also need the the more sophisticated understanding of what is the mind mm-hmm. and what is the what is the consciousness that that makes the mind work mm-hmm. because that that's essentially higher knowledge it gives us a deeper understanding of what is that transformation mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. is it really safe or or should i trust this sense that if I let go of my ego, uh, there's not going to be anything there to catch me, mm. right? Because from the ego perspective, that's how we feel. Mm-hmm. We feel that well, if I let go of this I that I've created for half of my life, what's going to happen to mm. me? But if you have that higher knowledge, it tells you you're not your mind, just like you're not your body. You have a mind. You're experiencing your mind-body, but there's something deeper there. That, that pure awareness that's there. Mm. And you can have a direct experience of it. That's, so that's what the East is teaching us, that you can sit and meditate, but you have to know what you're doing mm. and have a direct experience, meaning it's not about believing, it's not about trusting somebody else in, in what they're telling you, mm-hmm. it's can you experience that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it, it. It's still so hard for people because you see people talk about the universe and, you know, the divine is you know going to come in and uh, give me. Like it's almost like this magical. Like we want to believe there's this other magical something separate from us that's going to take care of us. The fairy godmother, the divine mother, the the uh, the universe has my back. You know, like this kind of other bigger force. And I think it's really hard for us from an ego perspective, like if we're coming from the ego, to, to accept that, that we are divine. And I think maybe because the ego knows that it's going to dissolve away, uh, it, it's not as powerful as it thinks it is. And this it's like handing over the power to something greater. So yeah. it's let, letting go of that lower nature of our human self. Not completely, because we need it to live in our body. But to allow this other force within us, the wisdom within us, to express itself through us. And um, I think this is so important for people to understand because we are, if we're, we are the divine, we are the God image, then we're here to make the most of this life. Why would we, if we had everything, why would we, embody, why would we incarnate into a body? And it's because we, the God in us wants to experience an aspect of, that only this physical body, this this moment can can give it, yeah. and so it's it's hard to I think conceptualize from a 
because we think in time and space and we think in form and name and form and um it you know the the real true concept of oneness is is just blows your mind and even the people that do quantum physics the research and theories they just it's just mind blowing it's like almost mm-hmm. like uh they said it's like a rabbit hole you're going into and um and so we have to just the way we practice is those simple things of uh everyone can do this right now is that you know listening to this video right now you know that there's a part of you that's knowing that you're listening to a video that you're there's a part of you that's aware so there's the the physical uh the senses that you're you're that are taking in the information and then there's another part of you that's aware that of this sensations so the awareness is who you really are the awareness that's that's right the awareness of our own mind that's who you are not the mind itself yes. and, and that's where the west gets caught up uh that we we're so used to thinking of, of consciousness as arising from the brain mm. meaning from the body really because the brain is part of the body but that's not really what's happening and then it leaves the body when you die like this consciousness kind of goes somewhere else like physically materialistically moves that's, somewhere else yeah it, it's the other way around that our experience of the mind and the body and the world is arising from that pure awareness that's the 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 right understanding that the uh, Upanishads give us mm. and that clarifies things a lot it, it actually makes more sense and, and we can account for things in a better way when we when we use that model I feel more secure than thinking that there was some external God out there trying to tell me you know have make decisions for me you know like this other agenda that's happening but I know that there is myself and some level of me mm-hmm. the I <laughs> that the ego I that is uh, that loves me so much and that wants to feel the full expression of this individual experience so it's like having a collective experience and an individual at the same time that's what we're all experiencing is we're experiencing ourselves in many different names and forms at once yeah as far as creating we've always been creating Mm -hmm. uh we we've been been creating but from a limited perspective that's all we've said we're we're used to thinking that well my my life is a combination of the choices that i've made and the opportunities around me but those assumptions as to where are the limits to what i i'm creating are coming from that sense of ego Mm -hmm. that we've uh, established as our identity and often it's very limited because the parameters for the limitations were given to us by other egos yes other people that felt limitations. <laughs> our parents egos and the people around us and yeah. culture and, and a, yeah and and then most of what we uh, the key though too is that we're not aware of all the things why we make decisions what motivates us we think we do mm-hmm. we make a decision and we kind of say oh i know why i did that we explain it away but we really don't know the true true reason or the true motivation and so that's why we have to go inward and so to end, um, you know, to really retrieve the projection is to, first of all, re- remember that everything is a projection. So you're seeing the world project out there mm. and know that everything you're seeing is you. 
And that is a really hard, hard thing. Because I remember sometimes someone would annoy me and I'd say, um, and you'd say, that's you, Debbie. And I'd be like, no, <laughs> you don't understand. Everyone else thinks this person's annoying too, or we have trouble with this person. And um, no, it, it, it is you. Like, what is that reflecting in you? Mm. There, there's... And our judgments on other people, our judgments on our life circumstances are coming from our own mind. No one else had made rules. You know, these are our rules. Um, so um, do you want to get to some questions? Sure. I feel insecure thinking there's not an external God. I feel lonely and nobody's taking care of me. How can I reconcile that with this new paradigm? Yeah. Well... Again, that that observation that you're making is coming from your ego. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with it. We don't want to push it away. We don't want to deny the ego because it's really helped us. It's been very helpful to us getting here to this moment. Uh, it, it's basically a survival mind that mm-hmm. you know kind of takes care of us, and that that's that that being cared for piece right there. That the ego says there must be an external uh, kind of design, or mm-hmm. or that's why people say everything happens for a purpose, mm-hmm. everything happens for a reason, because they they're kind of trusting that well something bigger than me, than the ego, that than the I is is creating things and mm-hmm. taking care of me. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with that perspective. But it's simply, if you notice, it's a kind of a childish perspective, meaning that it's it's kind of innocent, right? It's giving the power to something. Like not, to, not giving un- the responsibility for yourself. That's right. Saying that unknown, that parent kind of feeling that is outside of me is taking care of me. Mm-hmm. So... If you notice, children are comfortable with that, but adults are able to to kind of handle the bigger responsibility. So spiritually, that's where we're at. If we stay in that mode of the parent will take care of me, you know, there's some comfort in that. Mm-hmm. But you're not growing. Yeah. Right? You're denying life's uh, drive towards bigger growth responsibility creativity and that's the next step for humans is to accept responsibility of that divine creative power and so it's not that this divine doesn't exist it's that it's you're connected to it already so in a way an external god i would say will feel less secure because it's external and you have to work your way back think about this idea that god loved you so much he put you on the planet and set you up with this impossible task to be perfect and then when you make a mistake you're punished and then if you're good enough maybe you'll earn your way back like who would buy that ticket it would be so it just like from that mythology it it, it is kind of you have to question like is is that the god i want to believe in is that the god or image that i'd want to see and um i find at first it's scary to think that it's on us but then at the same time, it can be once you get used to it, you realize, oh, my God, this is so much more powerful. But it, it will take some time to really shift that. I remember when I was a little kid, I used to um, lay out on the, the grass in the summers. 
And I would look up at the sky and um, see all the stars. Mm. And I would think, what's beyond those stars? And I would be like, oh, that's the galaxy. And then, okay, so what's beyond that? And then, okay, it's one of the, the universe. And then what's beyond this universe? And then I was like, what are we contained in? And my mind started like going to this place of what, what is it? Physically, are we in something? Like I started processing it. And I got really scared. And I went, ooh, don't think about that anymore. It was too scary. It's just like in uh, the Gita where Arjuna saw Krishna with all his glory. I think for us, it's, it, 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 it's easier for us to think in small, limited, practical, physical form than to think of these grand ideas. And, but we want to, we don't want to settle for that. We want to, we want to know it feels comfortable here. But as we stretch and start to explore and start to open up then it starts to feel amazing. yeah and, and understanding it as stages is useful mm-hmm. that we're, we're meant to go through a stage where we depend on that fatherly figure of god mm-hmm. kind of the old bearded man in the sky yeah. uh that there's nothing wrong with it, it mm-hmm. yeah that, that's it's, okay we're meant to go through that but at a certain point we're also meant to explore deeper to go inward and say well, if I understand what the what the mythology is saying, it's saying that the kingdom of heaven is within, right? Mm. That 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 divinity is within me. It's not necessarily out there. Mm. Right? And uh, in a higher scale, how is this idea of God and religion help society? Well, I think religion in itself has a purpose, like you said. I think it does serve. Um, like a simple, like the father image. I mean, it's something we're used to. Uh, a lot of it was uh, uh, developed during uh, with the time of kings. So the religion was, you know, the priests were actually running Rome, and uh, you know, the everything, and even in England, the Church of England. Uh, so there's this kind of uh, authoritarian. It fit in very well. Like you behave, you do good, and and it kind of helps society. And then it also gave people. Uh, I think people were naturally hungry for having something to believe in. Um, and I think it's it's good for, you know, it's better than not having anything to believe in. Mm-hmm. But that, like you said, it's a stage. And so we can evolve. Some people never evolve out of that stage. They, they still have that idea of God in the religious sense. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that we can have a more accurate way if we open our mind and see, like look at other religions and look at other uh, look at science and and start questioning like what is do I assume take this Bible or this text literally or do I see the myth or the the message in there that's uh, decipher that we can understand a little more about ourselves and what what the real message is like the kingdom of God is within me uh, he didn't mean that inside yourself there's this heaven it means that it's it, it's 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 a part of you already I and the Father are one. A lot of uh, yeah. In in most uh, organized religions, there are usually individuals or particular groups that kind of carry that mystical tradition mm. that connects to everyone. Mm-hmm. In other words, any mystic from any other part of the world and and other traditions would recognize it immediately mm-hmm. what they're teaching. So you see in Islam, you see the 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 Sufis. I mean, it's the same language that you hear 
in mystical Christianity mm-hmm. through uh, Meister Eckhart or mm-hmm. even St. Francis, mm-hmm. that there's a direct connection to God, that, mm-hmm. that you, your mind or your spirit is already that divine. Mm. Um, so it, the, the Upanishads put it this way, the truth is one, the wise call it by many names. Mm. Right? Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and it's about understanding, you know, it's deciding uh, if you're going to be open to, under, like, exploring that idea. And some people are, feel like it's blasphemy to explore other ideas and other people uh, that are ready to just question th- life and question reality. I mean, that's what great science does. It, it's constantly asking the question. Science is kind of a religion in a way. It's It has um, these dogmas in science and now with quantum physics and quarks and all these string theory, uh, they're really discovering that everything they assumed was real was not. And even yeah. Einstein, through they've disproved some of his original theories because they were looking at it from a materialistic standpoint. And so we we just keep growing. And I think that's part of the mystery of being human is to ask those questions. Who am I? What is God? What am I here to do? Why? What is the purpose of life? Well, that's one of the reasons this this concept is so important of the the God image within, because we're reaching a point where our technology is going to give us the power to be like gods, mm-hmm. to uh, to manipulate the genetic code, and to create artificial intelligence. Mm. And once we do that, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. And we're going to have to be responsible for those things. We cannot be uh, childlike anymore and say, well, the Father out there is going to take care of us or some mm-hmm. some divine force out there is going to take care of us. We're going to have to be responsible for the things we create with those things. I was wondering about the idea of God, that sometimes it's represented by a mountain in dreams, and are there other symbols in dreams that represent God? The uh, mandala, like something like this, would be the divine image. A square, actually, squares are uh, images of the self. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what else would you say were images and dreams of the divine? Well, there's like the archetypes of uh, the uh, wise woman and the wise old man. Yes. Um, Jung talks about this uh, numinous quality of things. Mm. I think anytime there's a numinous quality, that's the divine presence. So like you might baby. see it might be a burning bush, mm. it might be a beautiful red cloud or a tornado, uh, some some uh, kind of natural force. But it's really talking about the divine power, right? It's, it's they're symbols of the divine power. Uh, the divine child. A lot of people have. Uh, you know, dreams about birth, you know, birthing a baby and the baby's like magical and it can talk and it's that divine, you know, connection. And I think dreams are really the um, the most amazing ways to really connect because it's like you're speaking directly to the God within. It's really amazing. And we're going to be doing a dream challenge coming up. So pay attention to that announcement coming up later this month. Um, yeah. What a great topic. I know there's so much we could talk about, but uh, yeah, so think about your idea of God and and maybe just ask the question, like, what is my resistance 
Or why do I resist the idea of that I am God or I am the divine? What is the resistance to that idea? And just examine that. Sit and meditate with that idea. Like what is so scary about that? And you'll notice uh, there'll be a lot of questions about control and responsibility Mm. and uh, trusting yourself to make the right decisions. It's kind of easier when I was younger to say, oh, God doesn't want me to get married yet, so I'm not doing anything wrong. And then when I read that book, I was like, oh, my thoughts create my life, so I'm being negative and feeling bad about myself. And so now I have to love myself now in order to find... It was like, okay, now I have to take responsibility for my dating life. And, uh, yeah, it's really um, interesting, the challenge. It's the power, but also the responsibility that scares people. Yeah, and psychologically, I mean, uh, at the heart of all of this, uh, these ideas that we've been talking about is this, that the purpose of human life is self-realization, meaning realizing that you are the divine Mm. in human form. Uh, and, And if you know that, then everything else makes sense then you're able to, to really experience things in their true context instead of thinking, maybe this will make me happy. Well, uh, and which w- it can't. The external things divorced of that process will never make you happy. They don't have the ability to make you happy because the purpose is to find that self within or to experience that. That's what makes us happy. I love that you said that, and I want to end with this idea, because I hear a lot of people say, why did I create this negative thing in my life? Why, did I, why do I keep creating what I don't want? And it's because there's, two, there's the, the divine element in us that wants to grow, and then the ego that's been conditioned. So you're seeing your conditioning in those ideas, and I think that a lot of people, they resist... They see the negative results in their life as something bad or they're doing it wrong. But in actuality, if we're getting something that we're not pleased about, it's an invitation to discover who we are. It's, it's seeing where we're off base, where we're off alignment. Um, and it's not to change it, change that block so we can find love or so we can get money. But it's actually the gift is oh, I'm, I'm forgetting who I am. And this, this obstacle here is going to help me find out who I am. And I think what happens, though, is people say, I want to find out why I keep creating that obstacle so I can have the, the material things I want. And they're approaching their personal development mm-hmm. as, a, as a way to kind of get its ego's needs met <laughs> versus the whole goal is to realize who you are. And, and yeah. when you realize who you are, then it flows. So it's like if not flowing... Find out what that is, why you don't realize yourself, <laughs> your true self. That's the goal, not I want to realize my true self and then I can get all these things. It's like placing those material things above the desire to know that you're divine, it's to know the divine. Yeah. So with that said, have a great rest of your week. Uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you for another soul session next week. If you have questions, you're watching the replay. We'd love to hear uh, hear them, and uh, the mentors are here to help you as well. If you haven't, sign up for your feminine persona archetype test. If you haven't done so already, and find out what your archetype is, and the mentors are here to help you do a free session to explore that. 
as part of uh, the group. It's only going to be available for the next uh, couple days. So um, if you haven't, it's coming down soon and the opportunity is going away. So make sure you uh, take advantage of that as well. And thank you so much, everyone who's here. Thank you for your comments and questions. And we'll see you next week. Stay well. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Creative Minds Soul Sessions. And join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Session. See you next time.